Um, well, I, I've noticed that, and I, I, I don't know. I mean, I think when you raise your kids, it's okay to let them fail and go out barefooted and cut their, I mean, I don't know, maybe if, if they could just be babied as a kid or an adult or, or given things or everything handed to them. I know that that was not my case and I built up very small successes. Um, and then I would, even if it was a very small success, uh, uh, then I would build on it and then build on it. And if I fell back down, I would just try to find a way to go back up the ladder and these folks that just give up just for one small thing, I don't know. I was never raised that way. Listen to the vibes. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Listen to the Vibes. And I am very, very happy to bring on Mr. Well, should I say Lieutenant Colonel Jason Pike? Um, I would like to thank you for your service before we get started because I'm. Uh, I'm a big backer of our military and our veterans, and uh, to have someone like you come on my show is really an honor, and you are a poster child for perseverance, I must say, so I want uh, I want my audience to get to know you, and Mr. Pike, tell us about you. Hey, thank you. Thank you very much. I'm honored to be on your show, and thank you for the compliments, Yeah. You can call me Jason or Jake. My family calls me Jake. And uh, I just got through putting together this book. It's called A Soldier Against All Odds. And it's about perseverance, just what you said. Perseverance, inspiration, survival, crazy stories. And it'll entertain you. It'll make you sad. But it's about a life spent in the military from age 17 going up to age 48 with a lot of crazy stuff in between. And I thought when I wrote this, when I was putting pen to paper after my dad's death, I thought, you know, it'd be a legacy for him, but also all my stories, uh, because I was not the sharpest knife in the drawer. I trust me on that. I was identified as a problem learner early on. But yeah, exactly like you said, it's about persistence. And if you look, I've done the opposite audio as well. I'm the narrator and the author. So it's coming from the horse's mouth as well as well as the written written part as well. So, yes. And you're a good old Southern boy. Yeah, I'm from a, I'm from a small town of Fingerville, South Carolina. That's where I grew up, and that's where the accent come from. Now, you wouldn't want to go to Fingerville for a vacation. You want to stay away. <laughs> <laughs> I found out you're practically a neighbor at the moment because you're in San Antonio and I'm just outside of Austin, about 45 minutes apart from each other. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yes, yeah, down in San Antonio. And uh, my daughter's right close by you as well. He, she's going to college uh, station. She's at uh, Texas A&M. Yeah. Mm. Small world, man. Small world. Mm-hmm. Now, I read some of your story. And, I mean, the one thing I guess that stuck out to me was that you were able to get in the military, even with the problems you have with your knees. Uh, me personally, that was one of the things I guess that kind of held me back. Uh, maybe I just wasn't as persistent. <laughs> well, I probably did something immoral or illegal well, at the time. It was an, it was before the internet, so I had osteomyelitis, which was a bone disease, and it it, it really tore the bone down, but the bone grew back up. And <laughs> when, when I was at the recruiters, you know, when I was doing the screening, they said, "Are you physically fit? Are you? Is there any?" 
type of injuries you need, you know, that we need to know about? I said, no, I'm fit. I'm good to go. And they said, all right, good. You're in. Even though I did have that. So I lied about that knee problem, but um, I worked around that knee problem. I built up the muscles and things and it caused me a little problems in the service, but I was always good in the gym and overall it's still, it's still hanging in there. Man. And uh, what's this I read about you getting arrested? Uh, how many times do you want to know? <laughs> Let's I read that. that as well. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, throughout this book is how in the hell did you get in this trouble and get out of that trouble? Yeah, I've been arrested probably four different times. Uh, I only wrote about three times. And uh, the big arrest for me um I was a captain in the army and I got a DUI, which is a driving under the influence of alcohol, but it was set up in a strange way. So I was in the Taco Cabana. It was down, it was actually in San Antonio. I was just going through some training down here as an officer. And uh, if you don't know, we understand DUI is bad. Uh, that's just, it's a, it's a bad thing. And it's much, it's much worse in the military. They, they, they hang your ass. <laughs> so, uh, and they tell you if you get DUI, you ain't staying. You're pretty much gone. It's a well-known fact. You've ended your career. Well, I got a DUI in 1995 in San Antonio, Texas. I was inside the uh, Taco Cabana, and there was a police officer in the parking lot with his lights on. Uh, and he was motioning me to come outside. Now, I ran outside, and I said, hey, sir, I said, you need some help or something? He says, no, I just wanted to talk to you. I said, okay. And uh, he said, you've been drinking? I said, like a dumbass. I said, yeah, I've been drinking. And he says, okay, uh, is that your car over there? I said, yeah, that's my car. And he said, all right, let's do some tests. And I, so I just walked into a DUI on my dumbass self. And so he did his test. And he determined that uh, I was uh, under the influence. It took me downtown San Antonio, locked, cuffed me and stuffed me in the back of the car took me down there, uh, did a breathalyzer and confirmed that I was uh, DUI. And then the military police, they came and got me and brought me back to my command. And I got a something called a bad, bad letter. I got, well, first of all, I had to go before the battalion commander and he says, you're basically hung. You know, they, he, uh, Gomar, General Officer Memorandum of Reprimand. It's a reprimand letter. It's read to you. And you are pretty much gone from the military. And that was in 1995. And I thought I was. I really did. I said, this is the end. And, um, well, I talked to a sergeant. He says, you know, you can appeal this. It's going to be a long haul, but you can appeal it. And I get a new lawyer. And so over a period of two years, I was back and forth in the court. Uh, and eventually I got it lifted through a huge process of appeals and, uh, uh, and a good lawyer. Uh, uh, so, uh, because uh, I wasn't driving. I was inside the restaurant and he pulled me out. And so uh, there was a whole, but no, it went on the, it went on the record. And then it was known that I was going to be processed out. But my appeals over a period of two years, and that right there, that story right there surprised people. It was lifted off the civilian record really quickly. <laughs> and so, but the military took much longer than, than to, get, to get lifted. It went into a restricted file. And so that's an example of me walking into a shithole and, and then coming out of it. You, these ups and downs of life that we all have, rests, falling, actually falling into feces and, and getting out or having these problems and getting out. That's what the book's about. Yeah, exactly.
Let's say you were in the restaurant and then came out and they gave you a DUI even though you weren't actually driving? Yeah. It, I did tell the truth, at least on that time. So, yeah, I was drinking that. <laughs> so, so, but, uh, but uh, yeah, no, yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, I, what I'm thinking is he was either in the restaurant or he followed me. And then, I, and then, 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 then he, he, he turned his lights on and then tried to get my eye attention in the restaurant. I was standing in the queue of the Taco Cabana. That's down there on Pernbow Road on 410. It's not mm. there anymore. But yeah, so I, I tried. And he, yeah, I, I ran out there because I thought my fellow officer, uh, police officer, needed some help. And, uh, and then um, once I got in the back of that car, I was cuffed and stuffed. And I think this is what t- saved me. Uh, you know, I told him, you know, I was in the military and I'm done. You know, he says, okay, he didn't care. And, um, and so, so I, and then when he wrote up his police report, this is according to the lawyer. The lawyer said, what the hell did you do to that damn cop? This damn police report is like a piece of shit. I mean, there's, there's not a whole lot of good stuff. In other words, it's different. The, 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 the lawyer knew that the police report was written up sloppily. And I had a good defense, but it still, it took a long time, but I was locked up and I was, I had a DUI, but I had to go through all the legal issues going back and forth to the court and emotions and things to get it lifted. And eventually I got it expunged, but that right there was an effort and persistence that people, yeah, you get a DUI as a civilian, you get a DUI as a soldier, that's a different story. And mm-hmm. there's a whole lot that is done. And and so, yeah, exactly. Uh, I ran out. <laughs> I, thought I, was, I thought he needed help. <laughs> so I, was, I wasn't in a prepared, prepared state to think I needed to lie about that because I was in the restaurant. I was like, yeah, I've been drinking. So, yeah. yeah. I'm comedian David Race in Los Angeles. I host a celebrity-filled paranormal talk show like no other. Monstrosity has great guests answering weird questions. You won't believe the combo of celebrities and paranormal experts who've been on this show. I guarantee you'll like Monstrosity, or you get your time back. Go to monstrositypodcast.com right now and take a look. You weren't actually out there driving. You know, it's funny. A, A lawyer told me, he said, if you were ever drinking and driving and you get into an accident so before the cop gets there try to find the nearest bar or little drive-in store and go buy the alcohol and or you know sit in the bar and drink and before he gets there and then you could say well i started drinking after the accident and they wouldn't bust you but you were actually in the restaurant i was in the restaurant i was in the restaurant so he was either he was either in the parking lot and saw me drive in, or uh, he could have followed me at a distance. And, and but I wasn't charged with speeding. So if he did follow me, I, I, I did. I, I'm sure I was speeding because at that time I always speed everywhere. But no, I was just charged with DUI, and um, that's just a bizarre one of the bizarre ones. It was just. And I, but the more of the pain, you know, being locked up and going into jail and staying in the drunk tank for about a day until the military police pulls you out. That's one thing, but a lot of viewers, maybe people don't understand, it's the bureaucratic nightmare and the expense to get this thing lifted. Uh, that was the hard part. Because see, I was down in San Antonio, I was stationed there going to school, but I had to move away. 
because we we move in the military and I was in another state in Maryland and I had to constantly come back for motions and motions and of appeal motions and doing all that part that was a that was a much harder effort and persistence regarding this story yeah well what about the other couple of times okay uh, <laughs> and this is another time so uh this is a so I like girls, and uh, so I was down in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and uh, I wanted to pick up some girls, and I had some bright idea, another dumbass idea. Uh, I said, well, what? so I had a friend in a hotel room, and I said, we're just going to have parties with these girls. So, and we'll have all the liquor and the beer in, in, the, uh, in the room, and Jason, me, I'm going to go walking down the beach, just pick out the pretty girls, ask them if they want to go to the party that we have. It's all going to be free. So I had a card printed up in the venue of as far as go to this hotel in this room at a certain time between these hours, and that's my name. And if you get, you know, and I had a number on there too. So I said, hey, and I'd go walk down. I'd just troll the beach and, whoa, hey, how you doing? And uh, my name's Jason. Okay. And I gave him my card and, uh, oh, okay. And I would just walk in. I'd just do it to really pretty girls. And, you know, I, I might have a, I'm, my thought at the time is, I may only have about a 20% success rate, but if I, if I approach 10 to 20 women, there'd be a few of them that probably come in there. And uh, so, uh, well, that didn't work too well. And so what happened was one of the girls got some cops or phoned the cops. And I was looking and I saw two cops following me on the beach, all right, where I was doing this at. And they said, hey, um, we need to bring you into the station. We're going to lock you up. And uh, she says, I said, what about? He says, we think you know. We think we think you're uh, soliciting prostitution. Oh, so they cuffed on. they cuffed me and stuffed me, and they put me uh, into the car again, <clears throat> and I drove into the Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, into the uh, into the police station there. And I wasn't there that long, uh, probably a few hours, because I told them my story. I told them what I'm doing. I'm just trying to pick up some girls, and this is my technique. And they said, "Well, we're still." They said, "We're putting this on your record as solicitation of prostitution," but since you told us you don't want to, you know, that you told it. And I, I just to get, he said, if you just admit guilt, at the time, I don't know anything about police. And there's no video. There's no police shows at that time. And I said, man, I said yeah, man, just you let me out. I'm never going to do this again. I promise you. All I'm doing is trying to pick up women. He says, well, you're still soliciting prostitution. I said, no, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. And I said, well, he said, well, we're going to let you go. But we're going to keep this on your record. It's kind of like a warning. It's going to, I remember they said, this will be on your record for five years. Now that never hit the military because I don't I don't know why. I, I, at that time, I was in the reserves, but it never did hit the level that I had with that DUI. So they were letting me go on that one. So yeah, that was a scary one too. Yeah, and I, I got another arrest too. If you want to talk about, since we're talking about getting arrested, if you want to keep on going there, go for it. <laughs> I got arrested for uh, driving under suspension. Of a driver's license. So uh, in the state of South Carolina at the time, you know, they had a point system. I had a South Carolina driver's license, but you know, I could keep that. I, I, military, you know, we can go around. As long as you're in the military, you can keep that state driver's license. So I, I was running stop signs. I did a lot of wild things, speeding all the time, stop signs, and just, you know, bizarre things. And I, my points ran out. And then after my points ran out, I just kept on driving. And in other words, they, they took the license away from me, but then I just kept on driving and then they saw me speeding again and they locked me up for uh, driving under the suspension of a driver's license. Mm. So uh, I had to, I had 
I went without a driver's license. <laughs> they took, uh, they, they locked me up. It was only for a few days, and they said uh, they released me, and then uh, I kept on driving. And I, but I had to, so I, they could have gotten me another time. But what happened was, uh, you have to wait a period of time before you get your license back. And so uh, that was that one. And I told my at the time I was in reserve officer training for uh, at Plumson University, and I told my uh, professor, the captain there, that I. I got a DUS and uh, driving under suspension. He says, okay, thank you for letting me know. We'll note this, we're gonna note it, but I want you to say thank you very much. And he was, he says, okay, he says, that's okay. But I, you know, he said, that's cool. We'll just note it, but uh, just keep up with the courts and don't drive and get your license back. And you're still fine, you're not gonna. So I didn't, <laughs> that one didn't damage my scholarship because I was on an ROTC scholarship there. Yeah. Mm. yeah. <clears throat> well, I know military doesn't play is my cousin, he uh, he had wrote some bad checks while he was in the Air Force, and they kicked him out right away. Mm -hmm. There was no ands, ifs, buts about it. So they, they, they definitely don't play. Now, I think uh, I read that you were in some kind of hole or something in South Korea. Was that it? Oh, yeah. That was in South Korea. Um, out of my 31 years in the military, I spent nine years that were considered overseas duty. And mm -hmm. one of the overseas duties that we go to is South Korea. Um, and, um, you know, this is a story about, you know, we, we talk about the term being up creek, up shit creek, or uh, up, I mean, neck deep and stuff like that. We That's a term that's used that is, you've actually gone into a very bad place in life. Or uh, So, but what it was, is I, I was walking, we in the military, we have to show our competencies of reading a map. And also finding points out in the woods at night or in the day to show that we are competent alone using map and compass and getting through various uh, situations. If we're if we have to find our way back or if we have to find a, a place on, on a map on a military map or in out in the woods. So we were dropped off about twenty of us at night, and we were given our points and our waypoints to go through an exercise. It was called the expert field medical badge. But I was walking along this rice paddy at night. They were all, and uh, I knew the cesspool was there on my left side. I could smell it. And we knew that they told us if you fall into one of these damn things, you're going to be made back out. So they don't want you to, because you can get contaminated medical, yeah. medical hepatitis, hepatitis, type whatever, all kinds of stuff. So I was walking along. Well, it was slippery. It was at night. And I slipped into a cesspool and I went in neck deep. I was in there. I was, I, I thought I was going to drown because I had equipment on and it was pulling me under the cesspool. And I was just like, a, I just tried to, it was like a quick sand type of material. And so I thought at that time, oh God, you know, my gag, my gag reflex was going, I'm going to go down, I'm going to go under. And then I'm thinking, uh, you know, pipe dies in poop. That's going to be the headline. And so I'm thinking, oh, I never had a wife, never had children. I says, I'm only in my late 20s. I haven't really experienced a lot of things that I want to. I says, I can't die like this. And uh, those thoughts were going through my mind. And as I was, you know, just trying to, I didn't know how to get out. So I did, what I did was a very slow caterpillar movement at an angle, like a 45 degree angle. And then I got on top of it. And then I low crawled out. When I low crawled out of that cesspool, I was just a mob of shit. It stuck all over me. And mm -hmm. so and so what I did is I started, well, 
to get the bulk of it off, I started rolling around like a dog in the rice stubble, and I got some bulk material off, but a lot of the liquid feces, the shit, that, that had permeated through the everything. And uh, so I laid on my back for a while, looked up at the stars, and I said, oh, God, why do you put me in this shit? And I said, and now, you know, I was like, well. And then time when I was lying and looking up at the stars, I had I started thinking of another problem I'm going to have. I said, I mean, I don't want to be the laughing stock of the entire garrison. I don't I don't want people to say, poop and pie, hey, pie, did you fall in poop? And I didn't want that. I didn't want to hear it. I was just trying to, I didn't want to have to go through all that stuff. So I started thinking of a plan to get help that weren't with any U.S. soldiers. I started walking out, saw the light of a house with a Korean family. So I started walking toward that light. As I was walking toward that light, I didn't know if I was walking toward heaven or hell. I was just kind of going on instinct and adrenaline. And I said, I'll do something to get washed up a little bit. And so I went up to the door, knocked on the door, and that's a little bit of broken Korean. Anyahasio, anyahasio. You know, when the woman of the house come and saw me, she made this noise. And um, at that time, English wasn't necessary. We, we kind of know what we're supposed to do at that time. So uh, she motioned me to, so we started doing hand language since we're broke. They speak Korean, I speak English. So uh, they just said, hand language is stripped down butt naked. And that's what I did. I stripped down butt naked in front of a complete strange woman. I gave her all of my stuff. I kept my weapon and I kept my map and compass, but I gave her everything else. And, uh, and she motioned that she was going to clean it up and find me the next morning and uh because they, they live there I'm, I'm sure they can find me <laughs> and so uh, and then i walked back to camp about a mile or so barefoot naked only with my weapon compass and map and there's another problem i was having as i was walking back i needed to, to make sure i stayed away from those other people out there that were moving around finding their points because if they saw me walking back naked or if they smelled me, uh, that would that would you know that would, it would give away the secret. So uh, I walk around. If I saw somebody like a motion, I would walk around it. Thankfully, that night it was sort of the moon was kind of dull, so it wasn't a lot of ambient light out there. And I walked and moved around about a mile or so. Got back to camp and got cleaned up. And that morning, my fairy godmother, the Ajima, she came and brought me all my stuff, and I was able to. Well, you know, a lot of things went right that night. One, I didn't die, I didn't shit. And number two, I saved my face. I saved my embarrassment. So uh, that's the story of, yeah, Hoop and Pike. <laughs> <laughs> well, the things that you've had to overcome, your learning disability, and then, of course, the, the physical ailments. I mean, you're just determined to get something done. And you did it. Is that kind of your approach with writing the book as well? As you just you were determined you're going to get a book out there. Hey, bar and grill fans, it's Jim with Madhouse Bar Talk, where me and my co-host sit around and talk about the things going on around Madhouse Bar and Grill in Elyria, Ohio. The whole conversation is unscripted, uncensored, and unedited. Anywhere where you stream podcasts, just remember, Madhouse Bar Talks, baby. Yeah, I mean, 
Yeah, I really, I just determined to do it. And I, English, I failed English. I mean, I failed the first grade. I was identified as a, uh, as a learning, had a learning disability. Everything takes me a little bit longer. Uh, it takes me a little bit to, I mean, I, I guarantee you, just trust me, I, I made worse on those college entrance stores, scores than any of your any of your viewers out there. Now, one question I don't know is how in the hell did I pass the entrance test to the Army? I don't know how I did that um, because it is set up a lot like uh, you know SAT score entrance test and I, that's a question I just don't but oh yeah so yeah um <laughs> so yeah one of this book process I, I had all these stories just like we just talked about that were in my mind and I was like everyone that was my family or my friends or were, were thinking you know now how, how can a dumbass like you become an you know, officer or graduate college? And there everybody was asking the same thing. How did you do that? And I was even thinking about how did I do that? How did I get out of this trouble? How did I get out of this cesspool? And it was all these things of just survival and persistence and what we're talking about. And and I, it had nagged on me for a while. And I don't know how to write. I'm not an author. I, well, I'm an author now, but well, that's my worst subject is, is writing. So go figure that out. So I, I hired a, a ghostwriter, and uh, to, 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 and I could talk. I could talk these stories, but I couldn't write them. And he he helped. He put them all down, and then he formed this book and this story. And uh, you know, and, and I feel that it's dedicated to my father because he he also helped. He also always he came from a very 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 white trash, poor 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 background. We're talking about stealing food poor and uh, you know tying rags around your feet poor and and, and finding stuff out of the garbage can. And he always talked about these stories and he was a storyteller. And so I dedicated it to him. And in many ways, I formed this book as a conversation with my father. And, mm -hmm. um, and the book nearly killed me because when I see all the stuff I've done, it gave me anxiety attacks or flashbacks and things. And just like the story of life, it's, it's emotional. And that's another reason if you want to write a book, even if I knew how to write, it, it was so emotional. Uh, and the ups and downs of it, the process of writing the book. But there were times I was literally scared to look at this book because I would see things in it. Think, oh my God, it, it gave me goosebumps. It, I cried and laughed and uh, just, I didn't know the emotions that were going to come out of it. But uh, that's an, that was a hell of a process. With your experience, what do you think makes some people just so determined while others just uh, it seems like this little bit of of a, a bump in the road they they're ready to give up um well I, i've noticed that and I, I i don't know i mean i think when you raise your kids it's okay to let them fail and go out barefooted and cut their i mean i don't know maybe if, if they could just be babied as a kid or an adult or are given things or everything handed to them. I know that that was not my case. And I built up very small successes. Um, and then I would, even if it was a very small success, uh, uh, then I would build on it and then build on it. And if I fell back down, I would just try to find a way to go back up the ladder. And these folks that just give up just for one small thing, I don't no, I was never raised that way. But again, we talked about failure and pain was, and that's, I think, and that's how I was brought up is to never quit. My, my father says, you know, it's okay to go have fun and uh, screw off and fail and you can go out and do this. And I, 
gonna turn a blind eye if you if you're going over here and doing something that you ain't supposed to that's okay have fun as a little kid and do throw rocks at cars and shoot bottle rockets at cars and do all kinds of stuff but <laughs> and he taught us how to do that he even taught us how to he taught me how to steal watermelons and thump to get a right melon but no he said you can do all this stuff but you never quit anything if you know you just you just gotta stay on board you gotta stay on path so he was he also reinforced the uh never quit type of thing and uh yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't know how to answer that directly, but that's about the best I can give you an answer. Well, to me, it's like a muscle. In order for a muscle to get stronger, you got to tear it down first, mm. and then before you know it, it builds up, and it's able to 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 take a lot more weight. And yeah, yeah, you're right about that. I, I almost got kicked out uh, when I joined the military because. Like I told you, you talked about tearing me down. When I the first time I got tore down in the military was I went to the boot camp, the basic training, and there they identified me as one of the lowest level privates as far as you know, I just couldn't drink all that water coming out of the damn fire hose. It was coming out too fast. Do this, do that, do this, do that. I, 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 what? What? And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. And so. So I was 17 years old when I joined. I was still in high school because I had failed the, a grade and I couldn't understand everything to do, what all the stuff to do. And uh, so, well, uh, before kicking me out, which he almost did, he sent me to a criminal correctional facility. It's kind of like a military brig. That's and it, the reason they sent me there, it was kind of a drug deal with the, with the, with the sergeants and the leaders there. And like, we'll just send these dumb privates off and we'll try to break them. So in other words, basic training is supposed to be hard. But then if you still ain't getting it, we'll just try to send you over there to a, the, the, the brig. It's like a scared straight program. And it's a different level of hell. Let's put it that way. And uh, I went there for four hours and, and all, all kind, it was harder. I mean, it was harder and harder. It was all physical. It was uh, low crawling over hot rocks. It was bit, making a pick. It was uh, making big rocks into small rocks. It was screaming, yelling, low crawling at a at a at a at a, at a much higher level. <laughs> and um, I don't. It was like a blur. It was like a blur. So we come back uh, after four hours of that. All our uniforms were torn and bloodied, and it was only two privates out of the entire platoon, the lowest two, and I was one of them. And then we stood there like sorry bunch of privates, and the drill sergeant says, "Y'all go look at these two sorry privates, Private Pike and the other guy." And we were bloodied and beaten up, and just looking like hell. And uh, that scared everyone else. He said, "You, if you guys, you privates don't do what you're supposed to do, I'm going to send your ass over there too." And so he also just not only scared me, but he scared everyone else because they're all thinking they might go next. But I don't think no one else went. But that was where you, when you, that prompted me when you said, you got to break down the muscle or use that muscle. And then when I come back out of that, I was like, I was wired really, really tight, maybe too tight. <laughs> and so, uh, and I said, you know what? I'm not going to listen to these high school counselors and teachers that tell me I can't go to college, which they all had logical reason to think that. I said, I, they don't know what the hell I just went through. And so I am going to college. So I, I couldn't get into college. So, <laughs> So I had to go to a junior college. I went to a junior uh, community college, which is a good start. Um, I went to one that would take anybody uh, lame, lazy, or crazy. And they, I didn't even have to give them my uh, SAT scores. 
And they just said, hey. They said, you're in. Come on in. I said, wow. And then from there, you can transfer off to other universities that are more reputable to get whatever type of degree that you wanted to. And that's what I did. Everything was at the bottom. Yeah. Yeah. Well, even if ways that you went was the hard way, you were still determined to get there. That's that's incredible in itself. And a lot of times I'll have a guest on, I'll say, well, what has been the, the biggest hurdle you've ever had to get over? And I don't know if you could pick one. You've been through quite a bit, man. It's uh, It really is. It's, uh, I think it's inspiration. You can kind of look at it. I mean, just the education. I've got, I've got three college degrees, right? And I've got a chapter in there called Where There's a Wheel, There's an A. And it, 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 I go through and tell you what I did to get my grades, even though I was a soldier at the same time. And I, I just found, found creativity in ways, tape recording devices, sitting at the front of the classroom, um, uh, three by five cards, uh, uh, things of that nature. And I, I have a whole lot of detail on that. And I've already helped one guy on that one. And so I was ROTC. I was like, take it slowly. You don't have to graduate in four years like my daughter's going to be and perfect and all that stuff. You can take five, six years and take load up. I have a whole, have it all explained out of how I uh, went through the process. Yeah. Wow. Well, I, I commend you on your perseverance. I, I wish the more people would have that attitude. I have to admit, uh, there's been times I've wanted to give up. I don't know what it is. There's just something inside that says keep going. And, and I mean, I'm I'm in my fifties. I haven't. I didn't do what I wanted to do in life. I think I found something else that I want to do, and I'm not exactly the uh, the brightest bulb on the tree either. But I, I'm trying to learn, and I'm 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 hoping to inspire others to keep it up. You know. Um, when you've gone through what you've gone through and you still you stay the course that should tell others hey maybe i can do the same thing if yeah. um what what are what are your plans to in the future um are you planning to write another book or what's what's going on well yeah I, i've been working on a, a different book uh well not i haven't started it my idea is pop is a uh the Veterans Administration, uh, you know, um, teaching other veterans of what to do to get in, into the VA system and what to do to uh, get your free, get your money, get your trips, get your benefits, more in my style of just really a low-level type of writing. Um, that's something I'm thinking of. And then I'm also, I found a website, that's one thing, another book with the VA, but I haven't really started it, just an idea. Another, um, I want to get a song, a country song about <laughs> So I found a website and I know a buddy, and he says you can make songs on your events of whatever I had in the military. <laughs> and so uh, it's, and so I, I, I'm, I filled out some, I'm, I'm going to work on, I'm not going to, I'm not a singer, right? And I, I'm, I don't play musician, but I can help other, I can get a musician in this website. I can, I can get somebody to create a song about what we just talked to and maybe in a rhyming way. So I'm thinking of that. And um, I want to do more of these podcasts and I want to get better at uh, delivering the message of inspiration, persistence, and hope to others. And that's the skill you got, the skill that you got to refine and uh, 
make it better. And every time you do it, every time you do something, it, you get better and better and better at it. So that's that's my plan. Yeah. Well, I wish you all the best at that. Now, do you have a website? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so uh, jasonpipe.org, jasonpipe.org, go there. Uh, my book, <laughs> uh, I got uh, my A Soldier Against All Odds, A Soldier Against All Odds. Um, you'll, you'll find it there. Now, the title, we thought the title of my book would be, We Don't Need Any Einsteins in the Army. But that's because it's just kind of making fun a little bit. But once we got it all down there, we said, well, he said, A Soldier Against All Odds. It's not just education. It's everything, and so, uh, so, but no, yeah, you can find it on Amazon. That's the best way. Type it in there. You can type Jason Pike in there, and you'll find it. So, but yeah, that's kind of and audio. If you don't like to read, go to the audio, and uh, yeah, you do. A lot of people like audio. And uh, what about social media? Oh yeah, I've got. I'm on a. I don't have the link to. I'm on LinkedIn. I don't have it in my browser there, but I'm on LinkedIn and I'm on Facebook. Matter of fact, I've got a Facebook account that's just dedicated to this book. And uh, so uh, I don't have, you'd have to, you probably have to type Jason Pike into your Facebook and look for me there. Mm -hmm. Well, I believe those are all on Podmatch, right? Yeah, Podmatch. On Podmatch, I've got pictures that you can use and all the inspirational messages. Yeah, I got a bunch of stuff on Podmatch. Yeah. Well, what I'm going to what I'm going to do is I'll get all those from Podmatch and I will put them in the description. So it make it easier for people to find you. That works. That works. Appreciate that. Yeah. Well, Lieutenant Colonel, thank you so, so much for spending your time with me today. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. And uh, you keep doing what you're doing. And I, I hope someone out there that's either watching this or listening to this is inspired by your story. Thank you very much for having me. I'm honored to be on your show. Thank you, sir. And ho hopefully maybe we'll get to run into each other. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that'd be great. I also want to thank all you folks out there. If you are new to the channel, uh, please come back. Hit that subscribe button for my usuals out there. You guys make it possible for me to do this. And for that, I can't thank you enough. So until the next one, everyone, please take care. Be kind to one another. God bless and peace. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Listen to the Vibes. You can catch us on Buzzsprout or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And on YouTube. Follow us on Facebook at The Vibes Broadcast Network.